Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. From inside Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York, the site of what I'm pretty sure everybody expected here today, nationally, internationally, a dominating Buffalo Bills. 48-20 win over the Miami Dolphins, reaffirming themselves as the AFC East favorites. And hearing Mike McDaniel, Tua Tagovailoa, Tyreek Hill talk about it, the the Dolphins are feeling that today. Welcome into Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Topps Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Are you ready for Slider Sunday? And I know Bills fans were today. We're going to talk about that crowd uh, that was packed in Highmark Stadium right before, behind me in a minute. Every time you visit slidersunday.com, you have a chance to win free products, brand swag, tailgating gear, trips, and so much more. One chance per day, no purchase necessary. Ryan Talbot, how you doing, buddy? Uh, hey, I'm doing great. I'm here to eat some crow. I've had some uh, Bills fans telling me leading up to the game they were disappointed in my prediction and I was wrong. I had the Dolphins winning this one in a close game. And uh, after what looked like it was going to come down to whoever had the ball last after those first four drives, Buffalo's defense really kind of uh, sunk their teeth into that offense and and figured things out. And and from that point on, it was smooth sailing for Buffalo. Yeah. And the reasons why I thought the Bills could win this game played out. And I think it, it had to start with their offense and because this was, you know, could be a shootout. We saw the first two drives for the Miami Dolphins. They were going touchdown for touchdown. And I felt like the more the Bills could keep up, the better spot they'd be in. And even Ed Oliver said, if you go into the second quarter and they started to kind of, uh, you know, accumulate some sacks uh, or some hits on Tua, you know, the Bills offense kept scoring and that helped the defense. And I thought I felt like going into this matchup, rightfully so, a lot should be made up about the Dolphins' historic day against the Broncos last week, the way they've started the season. I, I think it's like 10-plus yards per player, whatever craziness uh, they've kind of had. Uh, I saw a stat, 45 plays of 50 – or 42 plays of 15 yards or more coming into this 
game. The next closest team was at 27, and they still had 11 uh, in today's game. Um, so they they earned their credit. They earned the hype. But I just felt like if we were taking, if we were power ranking all four of these units, the Bills offense, the Dolphins offense, the Bills defense, and the Dolphins defense, it was that Dolphins defense that was coming in in a tier or two below all the other three units. And when you have a t- a unit that far down, which what, what I think this Dolphins defense is, it's not very good. They missed Jalen Ramsey, Cater Co, who had no business covering mm. Stefan Diggs today. We saw that play out that eventually that Bills offense, because of the pressure that they were going to put on Tua in this offense inside this building, that was going to be enough, even if it ended up being a shootout. And, and as we saw, it didn't. Yeah, listen, everything worked out really well for the Bills, but I think first and foremost, we saw once again that uh, Vic Fangio does not have the answers right now for Josh Allen. You go back a few years to Buffalo's matchup against uh, the Denver Broncos when I believe they won 38-13, to 13, something in that range, just a blowout where Josh Allen was throwing the ball over the field on this team. You go to this matchup, and once again, he has his way with this defense, and it started up front. I thought the Bills ran the ball really well in some tough yardage situations on their opening drives from third and shorts. Uh, Latavius Murray moving the chains, the Bills moving the ball, keeping drives alive in that regard. Deontay Hardy with two big catches today where uh, he made plays to move the chains. They didn't go for long gainers, but little things like that added up. And then obviously you have Stefan Diggs, like you said, uh, against Cater Kohu. And you know, post game, Xavier Howard said that he wanted to switch over to Diggs at one point in game, and it sounds like uh, that idea was rejected for whatever reason by Fangio and, and the Dolphins. And it, it probably wouldn't have been a bad move because Cater Kohu had no chance against Diggs today. Uh, this offense was on another tier; they, they were really putting things together, clicking on all cylinders. And this defense—I mean, I don't know if I can say enough about how good this unit was today, Matt. Because when you really look at it, they let up those two scoring drives, but then everything starts kind of coming into focus where uh, they're laying hard hits on these Dolphins players. Tua, who uh, who had not really been hit at all this year coming into this game, was getting blitzed and hit and, and hit hard by this uh, front four, some of these cornerback blitzes, some of the pressure the Bills were sending, and it really did throw him off of his game. Yeah, and I think that, like, you have to start with Sean McDermott because this was billed as Mike McDaniel, who's been this, you know, wizard offensively through the first three games of the season. And, you know, you listen to some of the national conversations and I'm not just talking about the talk shows. I'm talking about national NFL people, tape guys that are just lauding this Dolphins offense and all the weapons that they had. I was watching the, um, uh, NFL, uh, ESPN matchup show. I think Greg Cosell and company do a really great job. Darius Butler was kind of breaking down how much trouble this bill's defense was in because of how many things you have to deal with. And I thought not only was this a special performance from a production standpoint, like finally getting after Tua, hitting him. And to me, that's the game changer. We're going to get into the performances on the defensive line, but it also is about what Sean McDermott and this defense did in the elements. It wasn't just the Miami Dolphins that were dealing with the crowd noise here. Yeah. Terrell Bernard said, or Sean McDermott said on 40% of the plays, he would estimate he did not get a call in. He was not able to audibly get into Terrell Bernard's headset. They had to use hand signals. 
Bill's Mafia took this thing personally today. They were out here in full throat. Gene Battaglia, our our guy from uh, ESPN Rochester, said the loud. He's been covering this team for decades. He's been in this this press box. He's been in this stadium for all the home games. He said he's never heard it louder. Yeah, and, and I think you know I I saw Nate Geary say the same thing. He's never heard it this loud before uh, at a Bills game. I saw Del Reed, founder of Twenty Six Shirts, one of the co-founders of the Bills Mafia, saying, you know, you got to be loud every single play, Bills Mafia, no matter what was happening. And they took it to task. This was an extremely loud crowd. It came uh, across that way clearly on the TV broadcast as well. Uh, they they were really kind of messing with the rhythm. Uh, there was at least one delay of game penalty, maybe two for the Dolphins in this matchup. It, it made life really difficult with the communication aspect of it. Uh, this was like a playoff atmosphere in September. And going to Sean McDermott, it's a long season. And we're only four games in, Matt. But if this defense continues to play the way that it has through four games, McDermott will deserve coach of the year. And I, again, long way to go still in the season. But this defense is playing lights out under McDermott. I have not seen it play this well through four games at any point of the McDermott tenure. And that's saying something because this is a unit that has finished uh, top five or higher many times in many statistical categories. But they, they are really getting pressure from their front four without having to send that the pressure or the blitzing. When they do blitz, though, it's effective. The linebacker play is off the charts. And, you know, we'll get more into it here in a little bit. The secondary is going to be... Uh, tasked with really stepping up their game here in the near future, but it's unbelievable how well that unit is playing for for Sean McDermott and this Bills team. Well, we could transition and talk about both of those things, Tredavious White going down and what I think this Bills defense has been kind of evolving into anyways, and that is it's predicated on the talent on this defensive line. And you saw it play out today over the course of the game, the Miami offensive line had no answers as the Bills kind of built a lead and they were able to kind of pressure whether it was Ed Oliver against the run. Like, I, I don't have the number in front of me, but at halftime, I think that the Dolphins had run for like 60 some odd yards or something like that. That is wild considering this is a team that went for 300. I, I know uh, uh, Achan went for, uh, there was like a 55-yard run in there, or a big explosive play. Outside of that, the Bills pretty much shut down this vaunted running game of the Dolphins. And I thought that that started with Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones in the middle. And then you have Ed Oliver, or, um, Greg Rousseau on the outside with two sacks. Ryan, I tweeted uh, during the game, I, I put little whispers in, in, in uh, asterisks there. Von Miller is coming back. This defensive line is getting Von Miller at any time now, maybe next week, he's reportedly is supposed to start practicing. Maybe it comes in a couple weeks against the Giants or maybe three weeks. You don't know when he's going to get him back. But the biggest takeaway after this first month is like, Ryan, they don't even miss him. So what is that going to look like when he finally comes back? Shout out to, to Lynn Land uh, with the super sticker. Uh, we appreciate you. But man, that is a a really good place for this Bills defense to be in. But at the same time, I, I mean... The title of this episode is, you know, the Bills got the party started in here today, and it was a party for the most part. But a somber note as Tredavious White goes down with an Achilles injury, non-contact on a route with Tyreek Hill. We don't know the status. Reports aren't out of the severity of it, but I think we all kind of know where this thing is headed. And just personally, like, it's devastating. Like, to watch the guy up close week in and week out, going back to training camp last year when he kind of was working his way back, and then the 
eight or 10 weeks of the season where, you know, he, he still was kind of working off to the side before he was able to come back until he was strong enough to come back and play in games and to only get 13 games since he returned till he suffered this injury. It, it's heartbreaking for Bills fans. And, and I think everybody that knows Trey, who's a really, really good dude. Yeah, it is heartbreaking, and you said it. The The severity of the injury is not known, but if any Bills fan watched those post-game pressers today on Facebook, Twitter, or X, wherever you want to call it, you saw how somber every single player was that was up there, how they all, you know, many of them said pray for him, and he's the hardest worker, that, you know, they couldn't believe this was happening. They felt awful for him. The writing was on the wall with the way Trey White reacted. You know, the Bills get this big turnover on downs. I believe at Oliver Sack on the play, and all of a sudden, uh, you see Trey White throw his helmet in, in disgust behind him, and he's trying to get up, and he he just realizes something's wrong, and the you know the the frustration uh, across his face, how upset he was. It, it is it's heartbreaking to see because this was a player that worked his way back from an injury. Uh, was almost gone a full calendar year. I believe it ended up being 364 days uh, in, in between the last injury to getting back on the field. And, you know, he's not getting any younger. He was playing good football here early on. And it, it's another setback in, in his career, which it's it's very unfortunate. As for Von Miller, Matt, this is a great thing that he's going to be coming back and playing in the next few weeks. But like you said, the Bills don't have to be in a rush to get him on the field. And when he is ready to go, they don't have to put him on a major pitch count. They don't have to have him uh, out there for 70% of the snaps, 80% of the snaps. They could put him out there for 15, 20% of the snaps. And I think this D-line would be A-OK. Leonard Floyd has been outstanding all season long. Greg Rousseau was the star of the, of the defensive end room today uh, with the sacks, with batting the passes. Epineza added one as well. They're playing at such a high level that they can ease him in. And when you get to these meaningful games where maybe playoff seating is going to factor into and things like that, you can ramp up Von Miller. But last year we saw Bill's D line that couldn't get to the quarterback when he was out of the lineup with that injury. This year it's been night and day, and they're generating that pass rush with their front four, including an outstanding interior. I got to eat a little crow myself because uh, while I did pick the Bills, I was very critical of their decision not to activate Kyer Elam in this game. And, and for what exactly transpired, I thought having him available, you know, Christian Bedford, before he went out with the injury, struggled a little bit in this game. And then now you have Tredavious White go out. And if and if Christian Bedford couldn't go back in the game, which he did, so we'll, we'll probably get an update, see where things are, are standing at with that shoulder. Then you're left with, you know, Saran Neal, Cam Lewis, but Cam Lewis has been playing primarily safety. It's been a while since he's played boundary corner. You know, you're limited in what you can do. And, and luckily for the Bills that uh, Kai, or Christian Benford was able to go back in. I thought Dane Jackson played really good football. As a matter of fact, I think he was part of the reason, you know, you're going to point to the splash play where he, where he rips out the the ball from Tyreek Hill on the two-point uh, conversion try. But I thought he was really, really solid. Um, tackling, I think he had one big hit on one play early uh, after he came into the game. And, I mean, he's been chomping at the bit to get his – one of the under-talked-about storylines is a guy that started all those games for the Bills last year, was super dependable. Obviously, John Butler's a big fan, and he loses his job, not to the former first-round pick, but to a six-round draft pick that comes in. Um, that had to be its own type of deal. And now we have to kind of rethink things. And it's, you know, Tredavious White goes out. We'll kind of see what the Bills 
want to do with Kyrie Elam. I, I'd imagine he becomes their primary backup, and and maybe this is an opportunity for him to work his way into the situation. Obviously, a bad development for Trey, but very interested to see how things progress now with with Elam. Yeah, and we mentioned the only way Elam was probably going to get on the field were multiple injuries, and unfortunately, that's exactly what we saw today. Benford missed some time. Uh, when he came back, he was only playing special teams until that Trey White injury took place, and then he got inserted back into the defensive lineup. Dane Jackson is a very solid player. He doesn't necessarily get the praise that he deserves. He is not someone that's ever going to wow you as, with these splash plays, uh, he's never going to be a shutdown top cornerback, but he's going. he knows his role. He keeps players in front of him. He makes the right reads. He gets good contact and hits, tackles well. He does a lot of things really well. Uh, but this is a significant blow for this Bills uh, cornerback room. Uh, without Trey White, obviously, that means Dane Jackson and Christian Benford are going to have to up their roles. Uh, we already saw Jordan Poyer was out for this game. Micah Hyde was in the blue tent for a few seconds. He seemed obviously fine as he get, went back into this lineup. And even for a few short minutes, there was some concern about Taron Johnson. So there's a lot of reasons that Bills fans are kind of probably shaken up at times during this game, which sounds odd because of how much they won by and how comfortably they won by. Uh, but it was also a reminder of how quickly things can go south in this league. So you, you hope that Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, Christian Ben for that starting three or though that trio of three cornerbacks can really uh, step up in, in Trey White's absence. If this injury is, is as significant as we all think it is. Yeah. And listen, you lose a player, the caliber of Tredavious White, even if he wasn't playing at the level that he was before the injury, it, it's going to be something. And what he means to the team, like that's got to be part of the conversation is like, you, you see the emotional, like you mentioned all the people, all the players talking about it. Sean McDermott, when he was asked about, uh, I thought it was a really good question. Pat Freeman asked him, I mean, if you go back to the beginning when Sean McDermott got here, one of the first things he did was make Tredavious White his first round draft pick and his first uh, NFL draft, a guy that, you know, is a defensive backs, uh, you know, that's where his history lies. So, I mean, to go out and get somebody in the first round, you're building your operation around that player. And, you know, he said in his entire NFL career, he's never met anybody that works as hard as Trey works. And so, you, you, you could feel what that means potentially in the room. But I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. I think the success of this defense, while the play of the secondary is important and you want as many good play, you're going to miss Travis White. There's no way mm. to, to, to um, you know, figure that out. Um, but it would be much worse if you're losing, you know, a Greg Rousseau or a Daquan Jones. Like, I think this defense – really goes with that front. And then even we could talk about the second level. I mean, yeah. for causing turnovers, Matt Milano today, recovering a fumble, another uh, turnover for Terrell Bernard. This is a secondary a second unit there. And then you got to throw Taron Johnson into that mix too, which by the way, was literally just leaning on the hit stick all afternoon. I mean, he, he unleashed a couple really nice blows you're not going to replace Tredavious White, but what's going on in the front seven, I think, has a chance to be really special for the Bills. Yeah, and, and that softens the blow, so to speak, of losing a Trey White. When you can generate pressure with your D-line, when you have linebackers that can run sideline to sideline, drop into coverage, make plays for you, it's going to make life easier for your cornerbacks. And, you know, kudos to the secondary, too. There were times where the coverage was just outstanding, and that led to – uh, pressure from the front four. So it worked both ways. 
but it, it's been really great to see how well it, it's been working up front at the D line and the linebacker position. You know, Matt Milano with a forced fumble today, of course, recovered by Terrell Bernard, another fumble that the Bills had in their hands, literally Micah Hyde handed in his hands and it got knocked away. Uh, another Bills player kind of swiped at it and knocked it out of his hands. They had opportunities, Hyde with an interception. So uh, they're just flying on all cylinders right now. And uh, that's the promising part of it. You're not leaning necessarily just on one unit where in, in years past, it's been the secondary. It's been Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde and the way they command things on the back end that the secondary is kind of uh, held up for the D line at times. Right now you're getting it from all three phases of this defense. Uh, and that's why this defense has been one of, if not the best unit in the league through four weeks. Uh, one of the best units in all of football is the Shout Bills Insider text line. A uh, lot of awesome people uh, subscribing to the Insider line. We have conversations all week long, kind of taking the coverage to the next level. And you can join it today by texting 716-528-6727. Get yourself a two-week free trial. And this is a great time, Ryan, to actually get that free trial. You and I are heading across the pond we're going to have a lot of coverage from London, some off-the-wall stuff. We're planning on a uh, tour of Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, on Thursday where we'll take you inside what will be a, a shell of what the future Buffalo Bills home will be and some other really fun ideas while we're out there. We'll meet a lot of Bills Mafia uh, from London. So just take a shot. Give us two weeks on the, the Insider Text Line, uh, which is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney, with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call at 716-852-1234. Tell him the Shout Boy sent you, or check out LitroLaw.com. Yeah, and boat tour on Saturday night, Matt. We're hosting a podcast. Uh, I, I see the location, the Fitzrovia here in the chat. We have a lot of fun things in store. And listen, even before we get over to London, Tuesday, we have a pretty long layover in Chicago. We maybe we'll do something with the Shout Insiders. Uh, maybe we'll do a live podcast from the airport. We'll see. We have a lot, though, up our sleeve before we get there and when we're there throughout the week. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking maybe for, for the um, layover in Chicago? Maybe we do a live Zoom session. Insiders only. And maybe we'll put it out as a podcast, but the insiders can become part of the conversation. We've been talking about doing that for a while. Maybe that would be a good time to do it um a lot to get to as the bills prepare to play you know uh, a jacksonville jaguars team that hasn't lit, lit the world on fire but is obviously playing a lot better football all right let's get into the offensive side of this thing today because on the pregame show uh on channel four today uh we did the the, the final segment of the show where we we're talking about the the miami dolphins offense and i i kind of flipped things on josh reed and thad brown and i said let's talk about what we're going to be talking about on monday morning and I said, what was, what's everybody been talking about this week? Tua, Tyreek Hill, the Miami offense, the historic nature of that 70-point explosion. I think there's a really good chance that we get to Monday morning and everybody's talking about Josh Allen and this Buffalo Bills offense. And the reason I thought that is because Allen has absolutely owned the Miami Dolphins. Hmm. He is now, I believe, five and one against the Dolphins uh, since they drafted Tua. All time, it's it's even better. Uh, but he was dominant again today, and it didn't matter what the Dolphins tried to do. the The pocket presence, the 
the fluid, calm nature to his demeanor, um, operating at all three levels of the field, uh, the connection with Stefan Diggs being at an all-time high. Listen, I don't think this Dolphins defense is very good. Uh, I, I think, you know, they miss Jalen Phillips. I get that. Uh, he makes them a little bit better. Maybe they get Jalen Ramsey back in December or January, and that flips things a little bit. But I think this defense isn't very good, and I thought that Josh Allen and the Bills kind of outed them today in a big way, and it was kind of what I was expecting. Yeah, listen, they, they have some solid players. I thought Van Ginkle had a really good game for them. I thought He's Javon Hollins. Like yeah, him. Javon Hollins, one of the best safeties in the league. Um, looking through the list here. Jerome Baker, solid too, but they've also missed on some guys. And, and, you know, it starts with like Bradley Chubb. They sent, what, a first-round pick last year at the deadline for Chubb, who has been a non-factor for them uh, since kind of being acquired by this team. So they're trying, you know, they kind of have gone all in between moves like Chubb. Uh, bring Ramsey in, in the offseason, and it, it hasn't necessarily panned out on the defensive side of the ball. You saw in week one they were in a shootout with the Chargers, and they ended up winning that game by two points. Uh, but we also have seen some times where they've had some letdowns. The Patriots aren't a great offense, but they kept things close against Miami and uh, moved the ball at times. And obviously Buffalo today just having their way with Vic Fangio's defense. So it's something where I think Josh Allen really has the last few weeks, Matt, learned about protecting the football, being smart with the football. Uh, you never want to see a four-turnover turn performance like he had in week one. But when he was sitting up to the podium, I said, okay, I've heard this enough from him. i got to actually see it. He's done a much better job of protecting the ball from that point. I think the Bills are outscoring teams something like 133-30 to 30 or something like that in the last three weeks. It's something ridiculous. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the, protecting the ball in offense, letting the defense get after the ball on the other side. So uh, once again, Josh Allen just showed his dominance over Miami. Uh, he's kept the Bills in every single game against Miami in his career, even his rookie year. Uh, should have had Charles Clay for a touchdown late to win that game. Had the Bills in a position almost kick a field goal to win uh, in week three last year in Miami. So he, he just plays and rises to the performance whenever he's facing off against this Miami team. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm just looking up the standings real quick. The Bills are now at an 84 point plus 84 point differential. The the loss that they put on the Dolphins that puts them down to 31 on the season, which is crazy considering they just won a game by 50 last week. Uh, obviously had the close game uh, the first two weeks of the season. I'm going through and I'm trying to find another team. It's 83 for the Cowboys. So one point less than the Bills, 67 for the 49ers. So I guess this maybe is a good place to kind of interject this conversation, Ryan. Uh, obviously, you know, you're sitting at home today watching all of these games, and I want to uh, get this stat in here before we move on from Josh Allen. He has now thrown multiple passing touchdowns in 12 straight games against the Dolphins, including playoffs. Mm. That is the longest streak by any quarterback against a single opponent in NFL history, according to ESPN stats and info. So if you want to talk about a quarterback in a divisional matchup, that's more than even Tom Brady against the Bills, and we know about the two decades of dominance that he had. Ryan, I got to ask you, the last three weeks, considering what the Bills have done, uh, obviously the Raiders and the Commanders are what they are, although the Commanders gave yeah. Philadelphia Eagles everything overtime. they handled today. Overtime. Yeah. Are the Bills the best team in the NFL? 
I think they're right up there. I, I think you can make a valid case for the San Francisco 49ers as well. I think that the 49ers are playing great football and Brock Purdy just, you know, I don't want to say system quarterback, but he's a perfect fit for what they're trying to do. They're smart, good at the football. That Christian McCaffrey trade looks better every single week. Uh, four touchdowns today for McCaffrey. Uh, just a well-balanced team on offense, and that defense is phenomenal as well. So uh, I think you have the Bills and the 49ers neck and neck for, for best team in the league right now through the first quarter of the season. Miami took a big step back uh, today. Kansas City is still there, obviously, although I don't, you know, I don't think that their schedule has been overly difficult. I have no idea what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals on another uh, note. Just unbelievable performance today in the worst way possible. So it's definitely been eye-opening through four weeks. And, uh, you know, the, the Bills are a few self-implosions away from being 4-0 and, and really being right there maybe as the uh, class of the entire league, even above the 49ers. Man, it's funny. Like, I, I'm not overly impressed with the 49ers' schedule, but you can't mm -hmm. control who you play. I mean, the Steelers, right. Rams, Giants, and Cardinals to start, they're just dominating the team. 30 uh, points or more per game, 30 to 7, 30 to 23, 30 to 12, 35 to 16. They're as good as anyone in this league. The reason I push the Bills ahead of the Niners, even though they said it 4-0, is the quarterback. I think Sean McDermott against Brock Purdy in, in that hypothetical mm. situation is advantage Buffalo. And you know what Josh Allen um, is going to probably be able to do against most defenses, do enough to win even in a tight game. I just think that the way the Bills have responded to that adversity of week one, the way their defensive line is playing without Von Miller, as constructed right now, they're as good as any team in the league. And it's why I was pushing back on everybody that, that, that was saying that somehow they became some relic or, or somehow now are not the Super Bowl contender they were a year ago. All they did was strengthen their weaknesses from a year ago, Ryan. They went out and they added two new guards, one in the draft, arguably the draft's top guard in Osiris Torrance, Connor McGovern, arguably the top pass-blocking guard in free agency, which were immediate upgrades on what they had there last year. It's why when we started training camp, we did those shows, and I talked about um, Osiris Torrance being, listen, I don't think it's a competition. I think you just give that kid the job and let him roll. And then McGovern, if he played the way that he played in that 49ers, speaking of the 49ers, he shut them down in, in the playoff game for the Cowboys last year. And he's played that way through four weeks. Big weakness addressed. Depth safety. You lose Jordan Poyer for the biggest game of the year. What do you do? You have Taylor Rapp, who you sign in free agency, who you push in, and you don't miss a beat. I thought that they got deeper on their defensive line. Von Miller, you won't have him for the first month of the season. Go get Leonard Floyd and let him eat. Has another um, – did he have a sack today, actually? No, he didn't have a sack today, um, but he had two sacks last week. I think he's sitting at three and a half on mm -hmm. the season after four games. The return has been sensational in so many areas. And so I, I think the bills are better than they were a year ago. They're more, they're, they're better constructed to be a Super Bowl contender now. And I also think you have a quarterback who's constantly learning when teams try to take certain things away from him, responding and somehow getting better. Yeah, Matt, how many times did you hear the name Christian Wilkins today? Zero. Zero. And, dubs. Yeah, I was this might, watching. This might be his worst game ever against the Bills. I think it was. And, 
you know, it was only a handful of snaps when when I was really zeroed in on, on this O-line, but there was a few times where Osiris Torrance just kept him in check when they were latched up and, and matched up with each other. Uh, obviously, the interior didn't give up a lot of pressure. There was a few times where they did get home to Josh Allen in this game, but Christian Wilkins was an absolute non-factor, and that goes to what you were talking about with Osiris Torrance in the draft and McGovern in free agency shoring up the interior of that line. And, oh, by the way, Spencer Brown, Continues to kind of roll along here uh, at right tackle. Uh, the biggest concern on the O-line after week one, there was some valid concerns still, but he's quietly put together a really nice stretch for this team. I like the way that they're utilizing David Edwards. I know he had uh, the one penalty today where he didn't uh, check in with the officials again, making himself, um, you know, giving them that five-yard penalty. But overall, this line, the depth, got, the depth pieces have been outstanding for this team, Matt. And it just really uh, shows you how complete this roster is from top to bottom on both sides of the ball. Uh, being able to go with such confidence with Terrell Bernard after he missed the entire preseason and, and the way he's been flying around after shaking the rust off in week one. There's so many new pieces that have been added in, and yet this offense and defense just keeps chugging along. How are the Bills situated in the AFC, Ryan? They sit at three and one. They just beat what everybody was saying all week long was a bona fide Super Bowl contender in blowout fashion, 48 mm. to 20. You look across the rest of the league, Baltimore, you can make an argument that after Buffalo and probably Kansas City, who's going to probably win tonight and go to three and one, maybe the third best team in the conference. We know the history between those two teams, what Sean McDermott's defense has done against Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You have Cleveland, who had a little juice, but they're now sitting at two and two. The Cincinnati Bengals, everybody's Super Bowl pick, they're out of the playoffs right now. It's early. Let's let's use some perspective here. But at one and three, zero oh and two in, in the division, T. Higgins is expected to be out probably multiple weeks. They are in the danger zone, Ryan. I mean, Cincinnati, you know, still waiting for Joe Burrow to get back to some semblance of health. Luckily for them, they have two weeks here against the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks probably get yourself right. But then it's the Niners and the Bills after that, mm. the Texans, and then the Ravens, Steelers, Jaguars. So, And then the Colts, who have been uh, one of the surprise teams of the league. I think the Bills are in a really good spot. I think they're one of the best teams in the AFC, like we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks. And they're built to withstand injuries. Like everybody, I think maybe was overreacting, me included, to the Kyer Elam thing. And I, I mentioned in the insider text today that I said, man, I don't understand why Kingsley Jonathan is up when you have four active defensive ends and you're probably not going to get him a ton of snaps in this game. Why not just have Elam available, right? What, is, what does Kingsley Jonathan do? He comes out here and has one of the big plays of the game, has himself a, a, a pressure uh, quarterback hit on Tua, forces an incompletion. Uh, I think there's a turnover on the next play, or, or the Bills end up getting the ball back, whatever. It's one of the um, one of the series where the, the offense kind of sputtered for the Dolphins. So he made himself a big play, so I had to eat a little crow on that and mention it. But now you're sitting in a situation where opportunity presents itself for a young player in Kyer Elam. If you're the coaching staff, you say, you could take this and run with it. Uh, I don't know if that means him starting next week, but maybe at the very least, it's a it's a it's a it's a share of snaps, allowing him to try to make some plays, build some confidence, and now the this gives them the opportunity to to fully push all the chips on the table with Elam. 
Yeah, and you know, going back to where where the Bills are, they are sitting pretty right now in the AFC, and it's a long season, a lot of games to go. Uh, but it kind of also takes me to this question from one of our uh, in- show insiders here. Is it going to be hard to get up for the Jags game next week? No. Uh, Jacksonville's coming off of a dominant win today. Their Josh Allen was dominant against Atlanta, getting after the quarterback. They have some really good pass catchers in, in Ridley. Um, and I'm blanking on his name. I just literally had it on, on the tip of my tongue. Free agent Christian signing Kirk. last year. Christian Kirk, thank you. The Bills had interest in. Uh, Travis Etienne is a great running back. Trevor Lawrence is the pedigree. Uh, of being a great QB in this league. And, and all of a sudden they're sitting at two and two. So Jacksonville is going to want to come in and knock off the bills after their big win. So, you know, Buffalo, they, they said it, it's a week to week league. You can't get too high, too low based on a performance. You kind of have to wipe the slate clean and move ahead. And Jacksonville is going to be in London all week preparing for this game. Buffalo will be coming later in the week. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works in terms of Jacksonville, are they going to be ready to go home at that point? Or are they just going to be used to the the time aspect of it? Is it going to work in their advantage or is it going to work out for Buffalo? But either way, the Bills aren't going to be in, in any kind of letdown fashion for this game. They know the last time that they played, they were heavily favored to win. And, and Jacksonville kind of came out uh, and, and embarrassed them in that matchup. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't think it's going to take the Bills very much to get up for this matchup. I mean, I think Josh Allen and Sean McDermott are probably still in their feelings about that 9-6 game a couple of years ago. And you're going to have to go to a place where Jacksonville's been for a week and where, you know, they're getting comfortable. They're, they've been out in London. And, and Sean kind of talked about that in his post game about, you know, what – the operations team has done to get the team ready to go. Uh, Scott asked, when do the bills leave? They are going to head out there. I believe on Thursday evening, there'll be media availability in London on Friday. Uh, so we'll obviously bring you all of that. I want to, I want to talk more about this offensive performance and talk about the dynamic uh, Tom Hartle over on YouTube. Shout out to you, buddy. Thanks for the reminder. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel as well. We're cooking with over 350 late on a Sunday night here after the Bills 48-20 win over the Miami Dolphins. So much been, is going to be made, and rightfully so, about Sean McDermott's defensive uh, masterpiece, if you will, against a team that's just been dominant. I don't think we can overstate how strong of a game this was, despite maybe Miami's defense not being good and, and us talking about that quite a bit here on this episode of the show. Ken Dorsey, this mm-hmm. was a wonderful performance for Ken Dorsey. And I think like through four weeks and the adjustment that this team has made after what went on early in the season with that first game, you, your confidence meter, your approval rating of Ken Dorsey has to be through the roof. I mean, look at some of these numbers, Ryan, with the way that this team uh, sp- split things up. There was balance. The Bills had 414 uh, total yards. They ran 29 run plays. And listen, they weren't like averaging a great clip. It was like 3.6 per carry as opposed to 7.5 for the Dolphins, but it was effective Runs. There were runs that were happening that were extending drives, moving the football, putting the Bills' offense in advantageous spots on third down. The Bills were five for 10 on third down. And I think that clip was even higher earlier in the game. Five for six in the red zone. Part of that was the run game as well. 310 passing yards. And we mentioned Josh Allen already. Perfect passer rating 158.3, 21 and 25. 
84% completion percentage, 320 yards, four touchdowns passing, and obviously the rushing touchdown. Yeah, can't say enough good things about this offense, but it starts with Ken Dorsey, and Dorsey did not do anything. Uh, I don't want to say flashy. He didn't do anything to try to throw the Dolphins off. He didn't come in with any kind of tricks up his sleeve or anything that uh, maybe they haven't seen before. But he he had great play calls in terms of getting the ball out quickly. You saw Dalton Kincaid a little bit more involved today. Uh, I love the way that they got the ball to Hardy and I already praised Deontay Hardy for the the two first downs he was able to pick up in short yarded situations. The one was the throw that was behind him on the opening drive that he hauled in, made a move and was able to get a first down. Another one came on a third down play. He had to go low to the ground, catch the ball, get up uh, after going untouched. And again, eluding a defender or two to move the chains. They're getting contributions from some of these players that are further down the depth chart. Uh, I'm sure there's a would be catch that Khalil Shakir would love to have back along the sidelines early or during that game as well. But Gabe Davis getting involved down the field and making a lot of big plays there. Stefan Diggs being Stefan Diggs, of course. And, and then the run game. There were some short yarded situations where this running back room stepped up and moved the chains. Um, you know, Damian Harris had one late in the game where he was able to move the chains on a third down play. Latavius Murray with some big plays. James Cook getting in the end zone for the first time. The final stat line isn't going to blow you away with the way they ran the ball, but the Bills were efficient and they did enough uh, in that capacity where teams have to respect it. You know, Tony Romo was kind of gushing about it early in the game where the Bills moved the chains, I think, twice on the opening drive with run plays, saying, This is what I've been waiting for for years. This offense has been great. Josh Allen has been great, but they've never been able to really lean on the run, and you need that in those December and January games. And I feel like the Bills are going to have confidence in those backs when that time comes, if they have to lean on them uh, for for top-tier performances. Who's having a worse day today than Nikki Smokes, the the most famous Miami Dolphins fan that I've seen on social media? Cater Kohu. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, He got cut (laughs) a bit. To be fair, though, like I feel like the Dolphins did that to him. Yeah. He should not be on the boundary. They don't have any other options. We talked about that going into the game and how that's a horrible situation. Now, we talked about how that could maybe be uh, Dalton Kincaid who could feast. It ended up just being Stefan Diggs. So it, 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 that wouldn't have been as, as fun or creative to talk about. I mean, Stefan Diggs with a three-touchdown performance, old news. He's done it a bunch of times. But Nikki smokes. I got I got some smoke uh, with Nikki. Took a run at wing nuts oh, uh, when he came into town. What? Giving him a 6.8? That's not even real, dude. Like, that is – people all the time, like, when we're out, we're talking about wings, they're like, oh, you just say wing nuts is great because you guys do all your shows there and you're, you know, in business with them, whatever. Dude, I would never put my stamp on a chicken wing that I did not believe in. Like, take that to the bank. Like, if I didn't like Wingnuts, we would have never gotten down the road with them. They are, to me, on the Mount Rushmore of chicken wings. And, dude, we we ordered wings last night, and I had Marcel Louis-Jacques here and a couple of the uh, Miami reporters. We took them out uh, to have their first Wingnuts experience. And it's funny because since we started the show, we end up getting order of wings when we get out to Wingnuts for our live events. And then like, I'm picking at them through the night. So I'm usually getting them like an hour or two later. They're always good, but like you're, you're eating wings like two hours after it's not going to be the same. I had them fresh out of the oven yesterday, Ryan. Boom. Elmo's bar bill, nine 11 wing nuts. There's your Mount Rushmore. 
I'm, I was blown away, not only by the wing nuts mile, which is the staple, but the Buffalo medium, the Sriracha barbecue, dude, get to wing nuts, man. They are, they're awesome. And just the coolest vibe ever. Like just being in the place, like, you know, the way that the ownership runs the, the joint, it's like, I don't know, man, I, I'm just all in on wing nuts. I love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not just lip service. Like you said, Marcel gave it a big uh, thumbs up and a great review. Uh, we were in DC the weekend before then. And, and who came to us and told us how much he loved wing nuts? Lee Evans. Lee yeah. Evans uh, heard that we, we did the show and he's like, Hey, I ordered takeout from there last week and it was unbelievable. Blew his mind. These wings are top tier. Nikki smokes complaining that the wings were too large. Get out of here. Go order some chicken tenders. Go order some boneless wings. Someone from Miami, you have no taste in food. Get out of here. Get out of here. I like the fire right. from you, Talbot. You're That's bringing right. it. You're, you're getting ready to go. That's right. Um, go to London. We are ready to go to London. We are leaving on Tuesday morning. We'll have a big uh, layover over there. Um, all right, before we move out of here, let's let's talk about Stefan Diggs because a couple of things. First of all, he's the main picture for this episode. He's he's smashing the beers, uh, doing the Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin celebration, which for me and you, growing up big uh, three sixteen oh, yeah. fans, I mean that was pretty cool. Uh, fully support that uh, celebration. He was unstoppable today, and I want to say like Brandon Jones on that 155 yard touchdown. What are you doing, man? Like you got to make a better attempt at a tackle than that. But that notwithstanding, this was a dominant performance from an all pro caliber wide receiver in a big time spot. It seems like all things are good in Stefan Diggs land and, you know, with the bills and, and, and you know, that whole storyline that dominated the off season, it, it seems like a, a lifetime ago at this point. Yeah, and you see he and Josh Allen dapping each other up after the game, giving each other a big hug, knowing that um, what everyone was saying going into this game about the Dolphins being unstoppable, writing off the Bills, uh, this was big to them. And, and they stepped up and, you know, Diggs had Cater Kohu turned around multiple times today, that 55-yard score, breaking through those tackles. Uh, you had to feel good for him. He's getting the targets that he should didn't get double digit targets today, but I think, you know, later in the game, the bills were just kind of running the ball. Uh, they weren't emphasizing passing it as much anymore, but he made the most of those seven targets with six catches for 120 and three TDs. So all is well in, in Buffalo and Orchard park. Uh, Josh Allen and Diggs remain one of the best quarterback wide receiver duos in the league. And the best thing you could do about uh, your Sunday uh, game planning, if you're hosting a party or going out to a tailgate, is starting your Slider Sunday winning streak with Kings Hawaiian this football season uh, over at Tops Friendly Markets. You earn rewards to redeem for free products, brand swag, tailgating gear, and more. And you visit the Tops Deli section and look for the bright orange Kings Hawaiian displays to scan the QR for a chance to instantly win tailgating prizes and visits top mark topsmarkets.com slash slider Sunday for the best slider recipes. All right, Ryan, I think that's going to do it. What do you think? Final thought. Yeah, final thought bills mafia stick with us, get on board the shout insider text line. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff to cover over this next week when we're in London, even before that. So get on board now, Matt, hit him with the number. 716-528-6727. Don't forget it. Put it in your phone right now. Sign up. Two-week free trial. You can't beat it. We'll have you covered from London into the Giants game. Uh, and then uh, before you know it, man, the Bengals are coming up, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. You're going to want that next level coverage. And the cool thing about 
the insider text line is like, you're not only getting like access to Ryan and me, but we give you all the PFF grades, like all of our thoughts on the rewatches of the games. We, if you have anything you want us to take the other day, we were doing the Stefan Diggs uh, press conference and I just threw out a text message and I said, anything you want to ask Stefan Diggs, I'll, I'll, I'll be the middleman here. Let me know. Uh, we try to bring you into uh, the coverage of the team more so than ever before. That's the idea behind it. Uh, and we're, always kind of thinking up new ideas and if you have any ideas if you're already an insider or want to become one just send them along in the text line and we'll go from there anything else no. I, was, I was gonna let no. you i was gonna let you yeah, no, I, <laughs> I i threw it back to you for the number well all right talbot i'll see you at the airport bright and early on tuesday morning enjoy your victory bills mafia we'll be back with you for all the coverage that we can give you from London. Hang in there. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.